incredible thing to see what's going on in Faith Factory uh, and what Haley and her group of volunteers are bringing week after week um, for our children. Y'all, I am so excited um, that, that I just, I've got to say that. Uh, we are truly blessed to be a living church because of our children and our youth ministry here at Pittman Park. Well, um, I, I'm going to abbreviate my sermon some this morning. Um, because uh, today is a day that we've done so much, and we're going to celebrate communion. But um, I want to tell you about a time when I was in seminary. And and when I was in seminary, uh, we had this routine every morning uh, because we lived on Claremont Road out toward Buford Highway in Atlanta, and you had to go to Emory, which is all of like a mile and a half drive in Atlanta, but it takes 45 minutes. Um, Now, you can't make that drive down Claremont onto Briarcliff without passing um, a a Chick-fil-A at La Vista Road. Do you know this, or North Decatur Road? There's a Chick-fil-A right there. Well, every morning, this was our routine. We'd wake up, get dressed, jump on Claremont, run down to the Chick-fil-A at La Vista uh, and North Decatur and and head right on in to Emory. Uh, And some days, it meant that that made us late. It meant that we ran behind. Well, one morning uh, I was running behind uh, into a worship class. And I, I remember opened the do- opening the door and feeling like Kramer. You remember Kramer from uh, the Seinfeld who would just sort of bur- burst in? And sometimes he burst in at the most awkward of moments, right? Well, um, I've got a Diet Coke in one hand and half of a Chick-fil-A biscuit in the other. Um, when I burst into the door of this worship class, of course it's worship. You should, you should never be late to worship class. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> I burst into the door, and, and, and I realized that I'm in the middle of an awkward moment because a student is standing up in the classroom. Now, in seminary, this is a place of Christian education, um, you would think that tempers don't flare. But on this one morning, on this one morning, this student is standing up. I've burst in the door with my breakfast in my hands, and he is just red-faced, And my professor is standing at the front of the class, and she is just as calm and composed as you have ever seen. And this guy was just letting her have, you know what what he was arguing about? He was arguing about an offering. He was arguing about an offering, having a moment where you take up the offering in the worship service. So he's up there, and he's yelling essentially at her that you cannot have have a worship service without an offering. You cannot do that. That is, you know, anathema. It's against the word of God. I don't know that it's in there. But, but anyways, you can't do that. And so my professor, she just takes, takes a step back. And then one of the students in the class said one of the most profound things that I've ever heard about worship. The student said these words. She said, I want to interject. And she said, worship. Worship is the act of offering ourselves and our lives to God. The whole service of worship is an offering. This moment, this moment when we're gathered together as the body of Christ from all the places and, and, and all the stuff that we've been through in the week, when we gather together for worship, the offering is not something that happens when the baskets get passed or the plates get passed or those people we have with the poles. You ever seen the poles in the bag or they have the poles in the bag and they're like, 
you know, around. That, that's an offering, but the offering is when we bring our lives, our whole life, the fullness of who we are and the fullness of what we have to the foot of the cross, to our Savior and to our God. That is an offering, and that is the offering that God is looking for in our lives. And it's the Apostle Paul, it's the Apostle Paul who gets this in the letter to the Romans when he writes these words, and you have them in your, your bulletin from Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. This is from the message translation, so it's a little bit different than you've heard. But Paul, he writes uh, these words, and Peterson translates them or paraphrases them this way. After talking and talking and talking about what Christ has done and how Christ has justified us and how Christ has opened the door to a relationship with God, he shifts gears here at the beginning of chapter 12, and he says this, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you when? When you offer your whole life to God. Not just the part that happens to take place on Sunday mornings at 11.05. Not just the part that happens to take place on Wednesday nights at 5.30 or, or 7 whenever you get here for Bible study. Not just the compartments of your life. God doesn't want the compartments of your life. God wants your whole life because the only way that God develops maturity in us is when we come to a point where we give him all of it, every single bit of it, every nook and cranny, when we give it all to God, that's when God transforms us and remakes us. Now, he's working on us all the way until we get to that point, but when we do that, when we take that step, when we give it all to him, God multiplies it. Isn't that the story of what God does anytime there's an offering? When Jesus feeds the 5,000, the little boy, what did he offer? All that he had, right? Some fish and some loaves. When Jesus tells the parable of the talents, Whenever he speaks about an offering being given, anytime there's an offering giving, God multiplies it. God multiplies it. When you offer God your life, the maturity that Peterson talks about in his paraphrase of Paul, that maturity is the multiplication of that offering that you've given to God. Yes, we give offerings to help keep the lights on in the building. But more than that, we give offerings because we believe that when we give, that that money is multiplied for the work of the kingdom and for the work of God. And I can tell you that it is. When you give money at Pippin Park, 
it changes the lives of children. When you give your life to God, it has the potential to change the world. God doesn't just want you to offer part of your life, your finances, your time. God wants your whole life. And whenever you offer your whole life to God, whenever you give God all of yourself, you're also giving your whole self to the community. Because anytime you hear Paul talk about faith, he also talks about community. He talks about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ because those two things are linked. When you give yourself to God, you are also giving yourself, your whole self, to the body of Christ. All of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your abilities are given to the whole body of Christ. And those talents and gifts are multiplied for the sake of the kingdom of God, for God's name and God's renown. When you give of yourself to the community of faith, your gifts and talents, they're multiplied. And Paul says this in verse 4, he says, In this way we are like the various parts of a human body, whenever we offer ourselves fully to one another. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. You can't do life alone. This is Jonathan here. You can't do life alone. You won't have meaning. You won't have purpose without Christ and without the body of Christ. If you really want to know who you are, that's formed in a relationship with God and in the community of faith. You really can't do life alone, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is the body of Christ's chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of that body, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we won't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioned parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something We aren't. God wants you to be in a relationship with him and to be a member of the body of Christ. Because whenever you offer yourselves in those two ways, fully to God and fully to the community of faith, your offering is multiplied in ways that you could never imagine and never See, God wants you to be in a relationship with him and to be a part of the body of Christ just as you are with all of your gifts, with all of your frailties, with all of your brokenness, with all of your stuff. That's what Tommy was talking about a few minutes ago when he stood up here and talked about being part of a family in his life group. That group accepted him with all of his brokenness and all of his frailty, and all of his giftedness. And his life has been transformed because of the experience he had with the body of Christ in that life group and in a relationship with his Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul goes on, and I'm switching translations on you. I don't like to do that, but I'm going to. I'm switching translations on you because the NIV reads this better than what Peter Peterson does. So Paul, he wants you just as you are with whatever gifts and graces you have with all your brokenness and all your stuff. God wants you just as you are. And so Paul goes on with these words in verse 6. He says, now we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift 
is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then lead diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Whatever your gift is, whatever it is that you bring to the table, whatever you have inside of you, offer that fully to God, not for some unknown reason, but so that the kingdom of God can grow can expand. Your gift was never meant to be hidden up or stored away. That's what happened in the parable of the talents. Remember what happens to the man who takes his one talent, buries it in a hole instead of multiplying it for the kingdom? He's thrown out. He's rejected. God wants your talents and your ability, whatever it is, in use for the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom grows. That's how the church becomes stronger. We find our purpose in life when we offer ourselves and our gifts and our graces, the whole of who we are, to God and to one another. And I've got to tell you that the great Christians that I've met in my life, my seminary worship professor being one of them, all of the great Christians that I've met in my life, have done those two things. They have given themselves fully to God and they've given themselves fully to the community of faith, to the body of Christ. This morning as we turn toward a time of Holy Communion, I want you to know that you are invited to take both of those steps this morning. That you are invited to receive grace at this table and then offer your life fully to the God who rescued you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're also invited to offer yourself to the community of faith as we come to the table together. Your next step, if you're looking for a next step and you've already given your life to Christ, is to find a way to give yourself your giftedness, your talents, your brokenness, your hurt, your pain the wholeness of who you are to the body of Christ here. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we come to this moment of worship recognizing that this moment is a moment of offering where we give of ourselves in response to what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. Lord God, help us to respond this morning to receive grace through the bread and wine, to receive healing through prayer and confession, to be restored to wholeness through your love and through the body of Christ here at Pittman Park. So we pray in the name of Christ our Lord and our Savior. Amen. I want to